Welcome back to the Zero Weakness Podcast, where we talk about how to be a better lifter, how to be a better coach, and everything in between. Make sure you subscribe and enjoy. All right. Welcome back to the Zero Weakness Podcast, proudly sponsored by Establishment Coffee Co. Use the code 025 at establishmentcoffee.com.au. Welcome back once again. We are joined today by a very special guest. Megumi Kimura, say hello to everyone. Hello, everyone. Hello. <laughs> um, we're joined today by Meg, and we're going to talk through a bunch of the questions that were asked on Instagram and, and see where the conversation takes us. Uh, Meg is an online coach, a social media influencer, queen, top dog, supreme superstar. Um, she's also uh, doing in-person coaching. She takes clients out here at Ground Zero. Um, and it's a pleasure to have you on board. You've been training with us for like a year now, right? Yes, that's correct. Thanks okay. for having me. No, you're welcome. You're welcome. Where do we want to start this, James? Um, <coughs> just once again, thanks, Meg, for coming on the potty with the gang. Um, well, let's start with your grievance, Thomas. What, what's, what's pissed you off this week? Yeah, look, um, as you know, I'm a high-performance athlete as well <laughs> as coach. No, I wear multiple hats. <laughs> Business owner. Why am I laughing? <laughs> loving, loving dog father, uh, high performance athlete. Um, I've been in preparation for possibly the most important and pivotal and uh, largest competition ever in my life. This is basically to make or break my career and my life and uh, set the trajectory for what life looks for me moving forward. So everything has to be perfect, obviously. Um, the other day I was uh, doing my bench opener in second. Um, now, you guys don't actually all know this, but when I do bench press, especially as I start to peak, I do the calls for myself in my head. So I'll run rack, I'll wait, 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 start, press, rack, uh, because I need someone I can trust. Um, and so <laughs> I did my opening attempt, did the calls in my head. It was brilliant, obviously, went without a hitch, perfect, the best bench I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, on the second attempt, uh, I may had commented to one of the uh, present party uh, that yeah, maybe I should get some calls. Um, another one of the present party who shouldn't be named today, James, um, offered to give the calls and I begrudgingly said yes. Uh, what I didn't realize is that James's idea of a pause involves about three hours on the chest. Um, and as a result, uh, I'm hesitant to play the sabotage card. Um, but yeah, I... I, I I didn't fail the bench. I just wasn't successful with it. So mm. um, the absence of strength, mm. absence yes. of success. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes, the absence of success, zero success. Exactly. What do you say about setbacks? What? <laughs> David Goggins it. I don't know what that means. The um, the there was a video you sent across of David Goggins. Oh uh, yeah, and I said something about James. <laughs> <laughs> what the, was it? Oh, uh, it was just a, a thing from David Goggins about hardening up and. Um, Overcoming setbacks. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I was overcoming the setback of James's really long press call. Fucking it. I was waiting for it because I'm so used to you in prep. You know, you do this nice little pause all year round. And then as soon as it gets heavy, last four weeks of comp. Touch the spine, boys. It touches, <laughs> it touches your spine. So I was, I was waiting for it to, you know, go through your chest and it just kept going. So I panicked and uh, gave you a really long pause call. But uh, I'm sorry, Thomas. No, no, no. The reality is if, if I was strong enough, I would have got it up. So I'm just going to blame building a gym on the weekend. Yep. That'll do. That'll do, do it. And running a comp. So let, let me actually quickly shout out the team. Um, between Thursday and Monday, we built a gym. We ran a novice comp. 
uh, we, well, a bunch of other people in, in the Zero Land moved Daniel and Rochelle's house. Um, it was a massive weekend. And uh, um, I've said this multiple times before, but I'll say it again. Zero is not a solo effort by me. It is a very much a collaborative and a team effort. And um, we did an amazing job of putting together Zero Brisbane, which by the time you're listening to this will be open. So go check that out. But I mean, it's so fucking cool to see, you know, you guys, you guys all came and helped. Um, but like Ryan Anderson and Nick were there late at night building the gym and then at the novice comp spotting and loading the next day. Like it was, it Legends. really, uh, Jimmy Barnes, a bunch of people, you know. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really heartwarming and it's also inspiring to be surrounded by such hardworking people. So thank you everyone that chipped in uh, as part of building Zero Brisbane and as part of running that novice comp and helping Daniel and Rochelle move house at very late notice. So, um, yes, round of applause. On that, I think that novice comp was our best novice comp yet as well. It was I such a good turnout. Yeah. It was so fun. I say that about every comp. I think it's just because the team gets bigger as well. Mm. So everyone chips in. It's more fun. They run more smoothly. Um, yeah, we've just – it's like a well-oiled machine. So let's start with that for Meg because that mm. was your first time coaching at a powerlifting comp, right? First time handling. Yeah. Donna Livesey. Yeah. So tell us about it. How'd it go? Oh, um, it went fabulously. She went nine for nine. Um, and going into it, I told her not to have any expectations because a lot of people <clears throat> before their first comp, I suppose, hello, um, <laughs> they'll go through that same song and dance of, will I be strong enough? Um, do I need to make weight? Should I try and get to a weight class? And so I was just encouraging her to go in and have a great time, which she did. So I think that's ignited something in her and she will compete again. And that's all I was hoping for really for her to have a good time she's really strong she's strong very girl. strong strong gal well done dana mm. i don't think anyone was going to be ocean though no <laughs> she's a yeah i want to give ocean a shout out too the chick uh the lovely lady who came first place in the female division she didn't wear a belt or knee sleeves squatted high bar did mm. you see her opener she failed her opener because it was too fast because it was too fast <laughs> yeah it's too easy so she opened on 185 yep yeah, open on 185 high bar, no belt, no sleeves. Stood up with it, wobbled around because it was literally too fast. She took a step back. That was pretty crazy. And I could be wrong here, but she might have the... That total that she said in the novice comp is the untested... No, tested super heavyweight total record. Oh, I'm not sure. Yeah. It was big anyway. Like mm. over 500 for a first ever competition is, is pretty unreal. 535. That's insane. Yeah, wild. Mm. Um, for context, she's been training less than a year. For, before my first powerlifting meet, I think I was training maybe seven years, and I didn't even total that. <laughs> <laughs> you trained seven years before your first meet? Not in powerlifting, but okay. I mean like in the gym. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is she younger? She seems younger. Yeah, I think she's quite young. Yeah. I can't remember. I think she was 24. Okay. Yeah. Um, what about you, Gidge? You, you helped handle a few people as well? Yeah, I helped handle CJ. Damn. Who did incredible. The he king. Was, he was the crowd favourite that day. Yeah, CJ did amazing. PB'd everything. Nine for nine. Had the best day. Um, also helped handle Rachel. Beautiful mm -hmm. Rachel, the redhead who lifts. That was her first powerlifting comp. And she had the best time. I think she went, was it seven for nine? Yeah, seven for nine. Yeah, seven for nine. And she had a fantastic day. Despite a few setbacks with her back, she pushed through. Mm -hmm. And yeah, she's a little weapon. Very, very proud of her. CJ, well done, the Rach. crowd was going nuts for you. They were. <laughs> did, did you even hear the song that we put on for your... Yeah. 
champ is here. I want to I want to talk about this more next week with CJ. Yes. Uh, yeah, on the podium. Yeah. Because he, he killed it. He had, a, he had a huge day. I just want to call him out for something, though. He had all his church boys in the crowd. Oh, no. The Glow Church oh, uh, no. conglomerate. And after your third deadlift, did you hear what he said? when he, The only person to swear on the platform. I did hear. I heard it. I mean, yeah. how could you not hear it? If you were in fucking Sydney, you yeah. would have heard it. It's the man of God himself, CJ. Let's fucking go. I was like, <laughs> come on, brother. The boys are in the crowd praying for you right now. <laughs> No, we'll oh, give him the whole pass on that one because it was an amazing, uh, amazing performance. So well done, CJ. <laughs> then you had Scotty Too Hotty. Yes, yeah, Scotty Too Hotty. Um, yeah, he's a legend. Uh, what did he go? He went eight for no. He missed his last bench and his, and his third deadlift. deadlift. But yeah. Scotty's come so far. When he first came to us, he couldn't even squat. Mm-hmm. He's had uh, some really horrific injuries that were, you know, life threatening. Mm. He. he He's got hips that don't really work. He's got knees that are fucked. His ankles barely move. And now he squats to depth. Um, he can, And he squatted 157.5. And which he's is, strong too. Yeah, he's very strong. Yeah. And he's a mad dog. Yeah. That, that bench he did <laughs> last night was awesome. Did you, did you, so he peeped again after that. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I, <laughs> I was walking down the stairs when he did that and then I had to leave. Yeah. Yeah. So he went again last, uh, last night. He missed 125 in comp and he, Wanted to hit 125 in the gym, so he hit that. Then he hit 127.5. Then he tried 130 and got <laughs> absolutely stapled. <laughs> yeah. And everyone was losing. It was so funny. But Amazing. it was it's just fun. It's fun. Anyway. And he loves it too. Mm. This conversation is all about Meg. So before we get into the in, into the questions, let's hear a little bit about your history. How did you get started in the whole lifting and gym world in general? Mm-hmm. And then how did that translate into powerlifting? Mm-hmm. Um, and also, where did coaching come into that as well? Coaching. Okay. Um, I was thinking about it this morning. I've been training well over 10 years now, which is nuts. Uh, same same beginning as many, um, starting because I had ambitions to be, what are the words? Skinny, tone, lean, I don't know. Yeah, I'm All going for tone and not bulk as well. So yeah. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. Toned physique. And did that, went to the commercial gym for a good chunk of time, let's say five-ish years. And I happened upon a job that had me working in a gym and it was a strength gym. It's no longer open. It was called Hold Your Own. And there was a lot of powerlifters there. Mm-hmm. And I I worked an office job. I was working a nine to five and we had this like tiny little window so I could see into the gym most of the time, right? But I'd be at the office working Monday through Friday and I would train after, but I'd go back to the commercial gym. I would never actually train in that powerlifting gym. I was way too intimidated, you know, like scariest people lifting and grunting and just pulling insane weight. But I always had FOMO, like, like, oh God, these people are having the best time and I wish I was out there. But I ignored it, um, even though there was a part of me that I think, I think knew that's where my path was going eventually. Um, I just didn't feel brave enough at the time. So I stuck out that job for a good four to five years, trained on the side as a hobby, but never thought to pursue um, powerlifting or coaching or personal training. Um, And then it must have been in my last year in that job when, no, a couple of years before where I decided I'm just going to try powerlifting. I'm going to ask my coach to teach me how to properly squat, properly bench press, properly deadlift. And that was it. I was hooked. And I competed in my first meet in 2000 and I want to say 2019. And it was amazing. Um, 
Oh, there's, there's a bit of gap, a bit of a gap there. But I left that job, and then I had a bit of a dog year where I was working in hospitality and working reception and really, really clueless as to what I wanted to do next because I still didn't feel brave enough to pursue coaching and personal training. And by then, I'd been living and breathing training and super disciplined in it for a long, long time, but just still didn't think I was ready. And then COVID happened. Um, and so I lost two jobs in one day. And by then I was like, well, like, fuck, I, I literally have no choice but to pursue this because I've got nothing else to do with my time. Mm. Lost two jobs. So I quickly did my set three and four. Um, and with the timing of everything, the gyms were closed in Queensland at the time. So I launched coaching first, but I always had um, planned to do personal training in a gym. So I did that in the same year, maybe like a couple months after. Um, and then I was doing that and I thought, I want, to, I want to find clients that believe in the same thing as I do, which is about performance and getting stronger, not necessarily how they look. And I was like, well, I should probably compete in powerlifting again. Um, that's going to give me a goal that helps me channel all of my focus into that, the way that I perform. Do that. <laughs> Somehow found my way here. <laughs> um, and then fully threw myself into powerlifting. So in the last year or so, uh, coaching has been all I've, um, is everything that I'm doing plus the face-to-face on the side and then just falling more and more in love with powerlifting. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah. Um, and in the midst there, didn't you have a go at prepping for a physique oh, yeah. show? I forgot about that. Quickly um, slid over that one. <laughs> That's eh? why it was like there was a gap and I just don't know. Yeah, I, I prepped for like 22, 24 weeks for a bodybuilding comp. Um, and then that comp got cancelled due to COVID, but it was a blessing. Um, How far out from the comp were you before they cancelled That I it? pulled out? Um, yeah. Six weeks yeah. or something? That's a lot of prep. Yeah. To not go through with it. Yeah. I was, I'm just not cut out for that sport. Yeah. Because eh? like, <laughs> I think I've talked to you about it before, Gidge, the Heather's cows versus mine. And I was like, oh, yeah. mine were way higher. <laughs> and I was like, I can't do this. Like, I can't go <laughs> any longer. I'm done. This is not for me. I love food way too much. But it was an experience. Yeah. Yes. Taught me a lot of things about myself. What did you learn? Uh, okay. So I learned that um, your your self-worth, especially when it's attached to your body image, really doesn't have much to do with how lean you are. It's kind of, I guess, your state of mind. Um, because I undoubtedly feel the best I ever have and feel like I'm in the best shape that I've ever been in but I'm not necessarily the, like the leanest or lightest I've been but it's all in my head like I just feel really good so I learned that that's got nothing to do with how light or lean you are um I learned that I can be resilient when I need to be um and I also learned that I prefer powerlifting <laughs> <laughs> the leanness thing is interesting because you know it's not an uncommon uh, tale to have these aspirations of a certain degree of leanness in this industry and we're so exposed to people doing physique shows of whatever creed or division there is um, and it makes it seem that that degree of leanness is a possibility rather than a, a sustainable possibility rather than understanding that that degree of leanness that you can get to is completely unsustainable completely unhealthy um, 
it's very admirable for people that go through that process and get there. Like you guys saw Heather on the weekend, you know, mm. she killed it and she's doing it again. Like it's so cool to see her transformation, but there is that element of risk, that fine line that you have to walk. That's like, well, you know, you, you have the mental capacity to believe that this is what you can be all the time. And the reality is that you can't like, that is a, a literal starved state that is going to completely kill so much of just general, health and life and performance and create this negative mindset and uh, I, th I think you need to have a degree of mental resilience and grit to uh, be able to get past that um, and I know it hasn't been particularly easy for you to get over that hurdle right so it's really cool mm -hmm. to hear that you've um, you've found this love for what you're doing and how you're looking and how you're feeling I think that's awesome mm. it's um it's crazy to think because I don't know if you've spoken to Heather about it Bridget but she's not very <clears throat> she's not I'm not sure, I don't know how to say it. She's not very self-absorbed or she's not really mm. into herself like that. This is purely a sport for her. Mm. Mm -hmm. And once the comp's done, she's like, oh, I don't care. Yeah. I'm just going to eat whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't really give a shit. And we're like, like, to me, that's weird because I've spoken to you about this, Meg. She, that's like, she's like a unicorn. Not yeah. like, Most people aren't like that. I have like two bad weeks of eating and I'm like, now I'm not going to take my shirt off because yeah. I feel yuck. Yeah. And it's like, you weigh exactly the same. You look exactly the same. But I'm not even prepping for a show. That's just my own insecurities that make me feel like that. But yeah, so when I hear people like Heather and then yourself saying, you know, it was a, such a massive hurdle to get over mentally, it's crazy both sides of the pendulum, being able to hear both sides. And, and there's like a minority mm. of people who will be built for it, just like a robot, or those ones who can sustain that kind of leanness all year round, but mm. it's not the majority of people. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, coming back to uh, the transition to, into coaching. So, mm. you know, um, we, I made the joke at the start about being, you know, social media influencer queen. You've got a, a great degree of followers compared to all of us. <laughs> um, I guess my question is, when you switched into doing online coaching, you know, when you made that, that jump into, okay, well, I'm actually going to do this coaching thing. Where were you at with your social media then? And how big of a role did that play into building your business? Oh, like it was the one and only role without it, without that backing me. I don't know <laughs> where I'd be right now. Um, I was significantly smaller. I'd say I had, I had half the amount of followers I do now, but it's still, yes, played the biggest role um, that with, without the online platform. How many followers do you have now? Sorry. I don't know. 70, 70K? 72, 73. Do you want to know how many I have it's 6,183 <laughs> as of this morning I know, check I know. You, you did this to me the other day and it was dead it was dead accurate <laughs> <laughs> um so you you're about half of what you were now how did you go from how did you begin your journey into social media and when did you start to see value in that as a platform how did you build it to be what it was when you started coaching because I know that it wasn't always coaching and fitness right no okay so like way, way, way back, I started Make K as a makeup Instagram page. Really? I dabbled in <laughs> being a makeup artist for like, let's go six months. Didn't work out because I can do makeup on myself. On other people, it's a bit different. Um, and then I thought, okay, let's make it a bit more about fitness. I genuinely at the time didn't think it would lead to coaching. I just thought I want my page to be about training. Um, then marketing role was in the fitness industry and I worked under an, under an influencer. So I learned a lot there like hands-on and practical stuff that I could also use for myself down the line. Um, but in terms of when I decided to pursue it and like hammer and think I want to make money off of this platform, it would have been at the beginning of or very end of, no, 2020? 
Yes, 2020. Um, because contractually, I couldn't start pursuing the fitness industry until I had been like six months out of my last job or something like that. Anyways, so hammered it and just thought all I'm going to do is do this every single day until something happens and I get bigger. Um, yeah. Do you think a lot of social media growth just comes down to that is less about the actual thought and effort that goes into the content compared to just being consistent? I think it's both. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I, in the beginning, I definitely put a lot of thought into it and I'd post a bit more sporadically because sometimes content would take a little bit longer to create. Um, but now I think, yes, the consistency and being in people's faces, kind of akin to when you, um, James, what's like a clothing brand like you're really into at the moment? Um, I guess this, Itchpig. Itchpig, okay. See um, Itchpig like scrolling through feed, you're like, yeah, I like that shirt. Mm. And then because you're talking about it, I don't know, Google hears you and then you see an ad on like a page on a safari and then you see someone at the gym wearing it and then you, I don't know, it cu- pops up in conversation again today. Then you go buy the shirt. So showing up all the time and being in people's face, yeah, that's kind of what I prioritise at the moment. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. more exposures. Yeah. The more you're exposed to something, the more, the more chance you're going to buy it. Yeah. Like, what's the rule they say? Like, if you're exposed to something 21 times, you're... Yeah, it's a high number. Yeah. It's up there. So, you've got to have 21 points of contact before you purchase something. Yeah, damn. Something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, you know, the the fitness industry, especially for female ins- influencers, is such a... On social media, I mean, is such a saturated place. Um, I would... Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I would sort of define... Uh, describe your page as a bit more wholesome than the average. Um, you know, the, I, I think a lot of uh, uh, fitness female influencers, and maybe I'm stroking with broad strokes here, um, put their bodies out there a little bit more, or is yours is a little bit more wholesome? Um, how how have you created a point of difference that's facilitated your growth? Do you think? I that point that you made about like putting your bodies out there and stuff because I know it's like easy to generalize a lot of people um in Australia fitness influences yes and sorry like, just to clarify I'm, I mean that more matter of fact rather than positive or negative or anything mm, like that yeah. I'm just speaking yeah. w- with what I observe yeah I I like to think that that category of influences really do live and breathe it the same way that I do and that's just how they express themselves yep I'm just I guess I'm just different I'm into dogs and food and not necessarily having like extremely like a really, really well thought out, perfectly like immaculate feed. And I, my followers receive it well, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it. I'm just being more of myself more and more each day and it's going okay. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Mm-hmm. Well, should we dive into some of these questions then? Yeah, for sure. First of all, I want to ask you a question. How do I get big like Meg K on the gram? <laughs> I want to blow up. I want to be an influencer. Help me out. Give me five tips. Reels, bro. Reels. Yeah. Reels. Is that the go? Well, I've posted three and I'm blowing up. (laughs) I've I've gone from 6,175 to 6,183 in three days. (laughs) CJ, can we stick around after this? (laughs) Make some reels. Um, When people ask me what what, um, things helped me blow up the most, in all honesty, it's been articles written about myself or transformation photos. And I'm not saying go out of your way to create a transformative picture um, just to like, I don't know, get clout or 
get a lot of traction on a post. It's just what it was for me. I started, like I said, 10 years ago, really thinking that I would find self-worth in looking really, really skinny and, and then found myself and shared that journey along the way of being like, no, I want to be strong and I want to be jacked. And then physically, like there's evidence of that and people like it. And then the articles as well, they really helped. As in you mean other people saw your transformation and then wrote and then, an article yeah. about you and that generated and a great yeah. deal of following. Yeah. yeah, It's crazy that you, I just want to talk about, yeah, uh, tying your self-worth to your image. It's uh, crazy. In 2015, I reckon it was the best shape I've ever been in, like visually. I was really lean, but it was the most dog shit I've ever felt in my yeah, life. Yeah, you said that, didn't And you? I was so insecure. Like, because I was lean, people would make jokes about me. Like, oh, if you eat that, you're going to get fat. Mm. And it's blatantly a joke, but in my head, I'd be like holy shit, I'm going to get fat mm. and I'm not going to look like this. And it'll make me question everything I'm doing. And yeah, so it's just crazy to, it's just, yeah, it's just a weird uh, thing to talk about or mm. the way we process those thoughts around food and body image. And yeah. I, I've, I've, what I find strange about the fitness industry as well is the dichotomy. Like mm. we, we do this, we, we do this, um, uh, we do this process of dichotomizing everything. It's black or white, it's A or B, you know, it's good or bad. And it's like, you're either fucked with your body image or you've got a great body image and you're okay with it. Or you're f not focused on body image, you're focused on performance or something like that. I don't think there's anything wrong with admitting that pretty much everyone got into the gym because they wanted to look a particular way. 100%. The issue becomes when we um, ascribe some sort of grading process to what good looking is. You know, like this level of leanness looks good. It's like no, there's no rule book for what is perceived as looking good. And as soon as you realize that no one actually cares how you look more than you. Mm. And so the value that you place into self-image and the self-worth that comes with it has to be intrinsic. You have to create that for yourself. And so it's really hard to find in your head what looks good because if your pursuit of what looks good is unachievable or unsustainable, you never get there. And so like creating this objective blend between it's okay to train to look a particular way, but it's not okay to obsess over it or to create an unrealistic expectation is a juggling act. And it's where a lot of people go wrong in the fitness industry. It's what breeds a lot of this like disordered thinking, disordered eating and stuff like that. And it's hard because there's very little education or support on this. Everything we see is like, it's okay to be happy about how you look. You should train for performance, not how you look. You know, it's, it's always one thing or the other and it's super confusing. It's crazy. Cause when I was, um, I feel like it's all sports that are attached to a barbell where body image is like a huge problem. Oh, it might not be a problem. It's just what we're saying. But like, yeah, it's always sports that are attached to a barbell where body image is one of the main, uh, I guess you could say pillars. So when I was running uh, last year, like I looked like a bag of melted cheese and I couldn't give two fucks because <laughs> all I cared about was running. You know, there's no mirrors. There's no, there's no nothing else. Oh, most people love melted cheese. <laughs> Talk about yourself like that, James. But yeah, because I was running, I couldn't care less about anything else. I was playing basketball, couldn't care less about anything else. And as soon as I get back into powerlifting or lifting a barbell, then all of a sudden those things about body image come back, mm. which is uh, really strange. Isn't that interesting? Very interesting. I think it's because we see the two as going together. Like mm. going to the gym has to equate to a change in your body. Mm. And that's just not the reality. Yeah. It doesn't have to. It does. Generally, if you're consistent, you push yourself for, for long enough, but it doesn't have to be the sole purpose. 100%. But just know when I'm doing bicep curls, it's not for shoulder health. <laughs> 
No, no way. <laughs> I want big biceps. <laughs> no, nothing wrong with that. But um, before we actually jump into the questions, I want to talk about you and powerlifting, Meg. Okay. So now you're a full-blown powerlifter. Would you so. would you call yourself a powerlifter now? Yes, definitely. Cool. That's awesome. And obviously you're trying to pivot into powerlifting coaching more specifically. For sure. Um, run us through, talk to us about your powerlifting training and what you do, who you get coached by, what your goals are. Yep. All that jazz. Okay. I am coached by Thomas Lilly. Have been since May last year, would you say? Mm-hmm. Um, I do. I So I get programming under zero weakness and it's fantastic. Um, I've definitely seen the most improvement in my technique since starting here, but I haven't actually been powerlifting for that long. Like I did that meet in 2019 and I did one right before I joined here and then I did one here. So I've done three in total. And so I guess specific powerlifting training has not been that long, especially because the before the first and second meet that I did before I joined Zero Weakness, I was coached under a like a, a bodybuilder. So my training still wasn't that specific to powerlifting. So I would say I'm quite new to it and joining like the game quite late. Yeah, whatever constitutes late. Like Fair enough. Mm-hmm. When and when are you competing next? June. June. What's that? Nationals. APL Nationals. Yes. Have you got some numbers you want to hit? I want to hit. I was thinking. Say it. Manifest it. Don't be scared. Uh, I want my bench opener to be eighty-five, and then see what happens. Nice. Like then ninety, then ninety something. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then go for the hundred at the end of in, in October. Yes. Damn. Yes. That's mad. Give I'll us your tips for a big bench. <laughs> I need to improve my bench. <laughs> Same. Uh, just shoulders for five years. Uh, <laughs> since I went heels up, I think it's stronger. Yeah. I was awesome. really resistant to it. I didn't want to do it, but it's taken like about nine, ten weeks for it to be like, oh, this is, this is nice. Yeah. It's funny. When, when we were training with Meg and we're doing lateral raises with her, Yeah. I was, we're, me and Bridget were standing behind you and we're like, she's actually fucking massive. Yeah. She's got big back, <laughs> big traps, big shoulders. Yeah. I was just thinking, oh, that's why she benches so much. She's hands. Yeah, she's big and muscly. I request less upper body. I'm like, I don't need any more, but it's there. It's in the program and I follow my program. You're good. You're mm. good. Um, and powerlifting coaching. So you've got a few clients that are just – powerlifters now which is cool i've seen through a handful of people um into meets now maybe like four and i'm finding that i've the inquiries that i'm getting at the moment some of them are people genuinely interested in doing powerlifting so that's exciting for me i want to establish some kind of name in the powerlifting scene i'm just i'm quite new to it but that's what i want to do that's awesome Mm mm-hmm um, sweet. Well, we can rip into some of these questions that we got on Instagram. Uh, most of them come from Meg's account because her Instagram account is uh, 20 times bigger than the Zero Weakness one. <laughs> um, cool. So what's your advice to an aspiring PT? This is from Andiana Fit. Mm, my advice to an aspiring PT. Oh, but everyone says this. They say just make sure that you're passionate and... Um, do it for the right reasons and stuff. I'm going to say, okay, um, don't throw yourself into the deep end just yet until you've established some kind of client base um, because that's not what I did and it can be quite stressful. Uh, Let's finish with something more optimistic. What What do you mean by that? Don't throw yourself into the deep end until you've established a client base. 
Because these commercial gyms will fuck you. Like they'll be like, all right, $300 rent. Weekly. Oh, you mean like have a client base and then commit to being like a full-time like a personal, full-time tra- personal trainer yeah. in a, in a yeah. commercial gym. Yeah, I didn't have much of a choice because like work during COVID is like slim pickings. So I just did that. But like it can be stressful. Rented gyms is heckers. Um, but optimistic um, thing to finish off with aspiring PTs. Um, oh, probably um, circling back to what I said about just putting yourself out there. Don't be afraid to promote yourself online. I know that a lot of people hold themselves back from, you know, being vocal online or posting photos or setting up a website, YouTube, whatever it is that you want to do or pursue uh, because people will judge you for it regardless anyway, no matter how great or how shit the content is. Just go and put it out there. That's good. I love that. That's awesome. There's a lot of value in just doing and if you are a, an aspiring PT and you want to do I would advise you to do the zero coach development course next question <laughs> put the link below um, Meg do, do you want to throw out a testimonial on Bridget 2 of the zero coach <laughs> development course it's good it's very good Loving very it. engaging yes mm. heard it here first well, <laughs> for the 10,000th time <laughs> um, next question is from Shalila she's from zero south so she just competed at the novice comp as well on the weekend. Awesome. She killed it and she's Filipino. Shout yeah. out you. Uh, and her mum is like, she's the OG. Yeah. She came to, she came to back in the PTC days, years and years and years and years ago. Uh, and her dad too. Wow. That's cool. So it's in the family. They oh. all look really young as well. Eh? Yeah. They're very youthful. Yeah, how, old is, how old is Shalila? 18. What? Yeah. That's yeah. They all look young. It's the so Filipino impressive. genetics. Um, do you think it's possible to excel in powerlifting and bodybuilding? How would you define excelling? Like, do you mean like compete in both sports at the same time? Because absolutely not. But do you mean like manage both, injury-free, enjoy life? Yes. So, yeah. How do you define I, excel? I think it's important to um, clarify that because you can compete in both. When Meg says at the same time, it's not like powerlifting show one weekend, bodybuilding show the next weekend, and you're peaking for both. That's not going to work. Uh, but the two can definitely complement each other. Mm. All right. Next question. In my opinion. Sorry to <laughs> derail the question. I'll tell you. If you had to eat at only one restaurant the rest of your life, uh, where is it and why? I love questions like why? this. This is from Victoria Men's. <laughs> I want to ask everyone this actually. V men's. Yeah. You go first, uh, Meg, and then we'll open the floor up to Thomas and Gitch. This is a harsh subject for me. <laughs> I'm trying Do you to send know what my answer's gonna be? Send to myself. Can you put the mic towards your face? Okay, can you me. answer the question? Yes. You're blowing in the mic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So only one eatery for the rest of my life, it would be the Cheesecake Factory. Oh, America. Talk, why? Talk to us. It's just got everything. The food's so good. They do mm. breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's open like all day. It's so satisfying. The only thing I know about the Cheesecake Factory is Stan Efforting <laughs> gets his meat patties and rice from there. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the Cheesecake Factory has this menu that's like 20 pages long. It, every If you want to go to a restaurant and everyone's a fussy eater, everyone will be satisfied. And then you can get giant slices of cheesecake. Oh. And if you're a piece of shit like me, you can get them blended into a milkshake. What could you want? <laughs> Is it good cheesecake? Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Bridget's <laughs> a cheesecake connoisseur. Ooh. I love it. It's cheesecake every day, if I'm not uh, mistaken. <laughs> Have you what? had the cheesecake from Horner's Bakery? 
No. Oh my gosh, I need to bring it in for you. Yes, it's right at the end of the street of my house. Really? Yes. Whereabouts is this? I'm going to go there. Wait, I'm not going to say this. (laughs) (laughs) Don't give your address away. It's on the Gold Coast. (laughs) (laughs) It's in Queensland, in Australia. (laughs) Wait, James, you want to ask everyone, what's your favourite eatery? One place for the rest of your life. Oh, one place for the rest of my life? KFC. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's a sol- Do it again. solid answer. No, but imagine, I'm just thinking if I didn't care about anything. Like no, but you would get sick of it. Something that's going to nah, be- No, nah, no, you're right, you're right. Uh, one well, place Wait, for but you'd get sick of the Cheesecake Factory. You can say that about anything. Yeah. No, cheesecake Factory has everything. You get sick of everything. All right, then. This is a safe one. Uh, GYG. No. Breakfast, hectic. Lunch, mm. hectic. Burritos. Delicious. I don't, I don't like know. I answer. ate their burritos like every day for like three months and then I hated them for a while. So Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. I thought about this question a lot. Yeah. Mm. All right, Bridget, what's yours? Uh, I have no idea. It'd have to be a French restaurant Ooh. somewhere. Or maybe like social, is it social eating house? In yeah. Yeah. Oracle? Yeah. That place is the good. The toughest place. Yeah. They're so good. Yeah. All their stuff is good. Mm. Thomas? So this is touchy because my favourite restaurant closed down during COVID. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> It was a steak place in Sunnybank. <laughs> and uh, someone told me that it had closed down and I didn't believe them, so I went there and it was closed down. <laughs> was what was the name of that place again? I can't say it. It's a French it's Cafe Les Amaru or something like that. Yeah, you used to always go on about that place. <laughs> so I don't I don't have a backup answer. I can't I can't fill in that hole. I it'd probably be something like American barbecue or burgers yeah. or something along those lines. Nice, nice. Me uh, thinks. I'm gonna open all these questions up to everyone. As well, maybe in the actually, this next one's just for you, Meg. Are you going to open your own gym one day? And how far do you want to go in powerlifting? This is from uh Brian Ting, aka Brino. I find this hard to answer. Well, actually, no, the first question about opening a gym that's easy answer. No, I have no intention of ever opening a gym by myself. Good plan. <laughs> <laughs> um, how far do I want to take powerlifting? I I don't think I have a very competitive nature, but I think that competing is part of the sport. So I'll always do that. And as long as I can always train without big stints of time in between, like the setbacks, and I get stronger, I'll just keep going until I can, till the day I die. So on that point, you know, you say you don't have a competitive nature. What is it about the sport that um, that fires you up? Like, what do you love about powerlifting? Why, why even do it as a competition if you... Uh, don't have that competitive nature. And that's not a dig. I'm no, genuinely yep. curious. Um, well, I suppose when I hit PBs, I'm not thinking, damn, I just hit this number and this person only has that number. It's just like, damn, I've hit this number. I've never hit this number. Um, and this, the style of training, I genuinely find very enjoyable. I never get sick of it. Look forward to training. I, It's integral to my routine and I really, really feel, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I feel really calm and content when I'm in the gym lifting. So I can't imagine not doing it. Very present. Yeah. That's what I feel. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, I mean, like, that doesn't really answer the question. Okay, hit me with it again. Because, uh, I mean, like, <laughs> why, why, can't you, why can't you do all of that with no goal of being stronger? Like, is it the, the seeing yourself getting stronger and satisfying this uh, or showing yourself the potential of what your body can do? It's do capable you think, of. Yeah, do you think that's an aspect? Because, like, why can't you could just come to the gym and do – um, the same thing CrossFit over and style over and over or, again. Yeah, or just RDLs or, and lower body stuff and upper body stuff without, you know, pursuing bigger numbers in squat bench deadlift and then putting that in a competition. Because getting stronger feels so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. This is this is the oil I'm trying to extract. 
it does. It, it does. feels amazing. It does feel good. Mm. All right. Uh, next question. Oh, sorry. Is can I just can I just sprinkle something on top of that? I think that's really important for people to hear, especially people getting into the sport, because lifting in competition is very different to lifting in the gym. And if you have a bad competition, it can quickly deflate you. It can give you this idea of like, what's the point? What has all this training been about? Uh, because you've overvalued what happens on one particular day rather than going back to why you're doing it, is, which is because you love getting stronger, you love training, you love going to the gym. Um, it's okay to have a bad competition. It's about uh, the journey. Exactly. Mm. Mm. Yes. Uh, next question is, everyone answer this. Mm -hmm. Why don't you do cardio? <laughs> I do do cardio. <laughs> I walk buddy for an hour and a half every day. That's good. Nick? I don't like cardio. Fair enough. Bridget? Same reason. I did it for like the first half of my life. It's enough. <laughs> <laughs> I've done my time. <laughs> yeah. I've clocked it. I'm finished. Um, I still play basketball, so I guess that's cardio. Uh, next question. Someone asked, will you go out with me? <laughs> I didn't have their Instagram. No. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um... Another question is, do you recommend still training when you're feeling tired? Yes. Why? Um, I know who sent this question in. I know you're not that tired. That's why. Okay. Imagine it was a random that you don't know. What would your answer be? Uh, I would say how tired. Give me some context. Like, did you just have a bit of a rough sleep? And can you persevere through, persevere through that? Or was it like four to five days of nothing? And would it serve you better to not train? I guess it depends. You know what? Monday I was feeling really tired. I was feeling really sluggish. I was trying to come up with all these other ways for me to get in the zone and train. I was going to go to train at Southside. I was like, maybe I need a new environment today. I was going to go to Nexus. And all it took was Ryan and Nick to walk mm -hmm. in the door and all of a sudden I wanted to train. Their energy is incredible. Yeah, they just walked in the door and all of a sudden I wanted to train. Yeah. Do you guys believe in motivation? Uh, yes. yes. Yeah, for sure. Okay, what does it mean? Why do you believe in motivation? You all said yes, I want to hear. Meg, you go first. This is your podcast. Why do I believe in motivation? Yeah, what is motivation? Like, you know, in this example, oh, I'm tired. Do you believe that someone finding motivation to train is the thing that's going to get them over the line? To, to go and train? Yeah. Yes, yes. And that's just like the stepping stone to like the bigger picture or like the end goal, which is, um, I don't know, however many sessions between now and then that, that goal they're trying to reach. Let's just use a comp as an example. If I'm competing in eight weeks, is that, oh my God. <laughs> Nine <laughs> weeks and two days. Eight weeks. What is that? That's like 32 sessions, 32 opportunities to do Ooh. my absolute best. I'm going to go in. I like that. No, that's fair enough. I'm, I think like that at the moment too. I'm motivated by the, the, uh, the, in, the end goal. Mm -hmm. I want the, I've already, like I've spoken to you guys, I've got things in my head that I want to be the desired outcome. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you've got to capitalize on every session. Yep. But yeah, I'm lazy. So some days I just don't want to train. So sometimes I need that motivation. Yeah. That's why I motivation is just about changing your perspective. Yeah. You know, I'll come in, I'll be dead tired and then I'll just be like, no, I'm not. Just mm. do it. Yeah. And I do it. <laughs> have you heard that sleeping helps sometimes? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm very bad at sleeping. I have a feeling eight shots of coffee and pre-workout <laughs> a day doesn't help either. Mm -mm. I don't like motivation. Because um, what you guys are talking about is a little bit different to like the standard idea of motivation as in like you're talking about 
a goal, a driving force, a reason. And yeah, I guess you could call that motivation. But I don't like the idea of like, I'm feeling tired. I need to find some motivation to train because to me that says you've already lost the game. To me that f says that you're not, you're not in it for your reason why. Uh, you don't have a compelling enough reason why and that's what you need to go and find. Like when you wake up in the morning and you brush your teeth, you don't need motivation to, to brush your teeth when you don't feel like doing it. It just becomes part of you, assuming that you're Hang brushing teeth. Hang on a teeth. second. I think that everybody in this room has that. Like when was the last time you skipped one, even though you just are like surviving on like eight shots of coffee a day? But don't ask James that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hang on, he's injured. <laughs> when was the last time you remember like skipping a session? Yeah, I was even thinking about this morning. I'm like, oh, I should just sleep in. And then I'm like, no, like, what am I talking about? I'm yeah, not yeah I'm not anyway. talking yeah. about the people in this room. <laughs> I'm talking about in general, mm. like the, you know, the average person that's like, oh, I need to get some motivation. Or how the, the questions that you must get, the questions that we all get when we do question and answer things, like how do you stay motivated to train? If you have to have a reason to stay motivated to train, you're not training for any real purpose. Yeah. And so like, I don't know, for, for me, I don't, if an athlete is asking me that or someone who calls themselves an athlete, uh, to me, they're not an athlete. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I'd say you have to earn it. I definitely wasn't like this five years ago. Like I'd be like dragging my feet on the ground, not wanting to do it. And nowadays it's not really a question. Mm. So yeah, because yeah. you have to, as soon as you see training as something that's not uh, innately 100% positive, as soon as you recognize that training is work, then it's easy to get past. Like look at your, uh, think of when we all had like nine to five sort of jobs. You don't wake up and be like, yes, I'm really excited to go to my like desk and type for nine hours. No one thinks that. They think if I go and do this five days a week, I get paid and if I get paid, I live and I can do stuff and I can have the weekend off. Like that is your quote unquote motivation. It's your driving force. Mm. You don't want to go and do that thing. And training's like that. Like we love training. Yeah, there's a lot of payoff with training, but we don't love it all the time. And especially in certain phases or stages of life where it would be easy for the average person to just be like, no, nah, this is just not a priority right now. For us, it is a priority. Mm. Um, and that's not because we're motivated. It's because it's inherently part of our like priority list, inherently part of who we are and what we're working towards. And it's super important to us. You can't just like watch a video and get that. You can't watch a motivational oh. like push and get that. It, no, it can, <laughs> it can set the scene for starting those steps, but you have to find like uh, an intrinsic switch that needs to be flicked. Oh, 100%. When I, when I used myself as an example, I was always going to train, but I just wanted something more. Mm. I was like, fuck, how can I make this even better today? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Sure. Mm. Yeah, okay. I get that. Like a song. Or yeah, kind of. It's like if I'm about to squat... Uh, 220 for a triple or next week 240 for a triple we'll see um like i'm gonna do it regardless but if i can fucking chuck on a song that's gonna yeah that's me you know mm -hmm. tickle my ears and get me all hyped up then i'll do it for sure but again that's not motivation because you're already there yeah, yeah you're already doing it that's just like a bit of a push yeah Show true anyway oh yes. nice <laughs> All right, let's keep going. <laughs> Sweet. Um, that's almost it. What's uh, what's next for Meg Dog? What does she want to do next? Oh, I wasn't ready for this question. What do I want to do next? I want to go have a snack. <laughs> <laughs> you're I, the, I, you're I the worst influencer ever. <laughs> <laughs> I've got all these things releasing. No, I, I'm, I'm loving what I'm doing at the moment. I might just relish in this for a while. 
keep coaching, keep um, meeting individuals who are into powerlifting and want to get strong. Um, I'm going to, I guess in terms of social media stuff, I'm going to try and venture out into more platforms because um, at the moment everything is happening on Instagram and I just want to venture out a little bit. Um, what does that mean? YouTube. TikTok. No, I can't. I can't do the TikTok. No. <laughs> YouTube. <laughs> Stuff like this. This is really fun. Thank you guys for having me. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Let's just get to nationals first and then I'll decide. What about, and you've just released an ebook. Talk about that. Plug the that. E-book. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I, oh, I, I think Thomas knows. I put it off for a really, really, really long time. I was just like, who's going to buy this damn ebook? Who's going to want to listen to me? <laughs> um, but I was getting frustrated at having to turn away, you know, potential clients. And particularly girls who were coming to me who were like, I, I'm in that position that you were a while ago. I feel lost. I don't know how to lift. I want to prioritize strength training. Um, I was like, yes, I have something to offer. And um, I'm just going to use an example that I was talking to Declan about yesterday. And I was saying that sometimes I feel overwhelmed by how many people I want to help, but I have to cap, you know, my client list to whatever number it is because I'm only one person. I'm like, how am I supposed to get this message out about strength training faster? And um, also... Uh, because Dana competed over the past weekend, she's been talking to me about wanting to pursue, you know, more clients who are interested in strength training. And it was a very overwhelming feeling because I thought maybe if it weren't for my influence on her, she wouldn't consider that and want to spread that message. So that's like double the amount of people. Mm. And I just thought that was cool. And I feel like the ebook was a similar way to achieve said goal that I have in my mind. So whatever I can do to get that out there. How do you define an influencer? Um, how do I define an influencer? Yeah, like earlier you were saying um, you worked for an influencer. Mm. I think we'd all agree in, in, in saying that you're a social media influencer. Mm-hmm. Like what makes an influencer? Someone who has a significant presence on one of the bigger online platforms. Mm-hmm. Do you do you feel any weight on your shoulders, any responsibility as an influencer when you go to, you know, um, put yourself out there? Do you feel like you have a responsibility to the people who follow you or are you just trying to be as genuinely you as possible or a little bit of both? I would say a little bit earlier on a lot of pressure to um, portray myself in a certain light or in a certain way. Um, but nowadays, no. People receive it so much better if I'm myself. So what was that way that you felt you had to portray yourself? Um, A little bit more refined, a lot more of um, curated, you know, stories or content, a little bit more of feeling like I I had to speak about topics that were just relevant to training and nutrition. Nowadays, I'll talk about anything like (laughs) um, uh, like food, training Jerry, um, clothing, I don't know. Um, yeah, I went off on a tangent a little bit. Um, what else was there back in the day? Mm. Have, you, have you ever had experiences where someone's called you out on like, there are people who are following you, why are you posting this sort of stuff? Have you had, had people, you know, um, call you out on your role as, a, as an influencer in a negative light? I have the 
best following ever. Like the girls, I've, I don't know if I've ever had one nasty message from a female. I get a bit from men, but mm-hmm. it's always about the same thing. They don't like the way that I bench press or they're butthurt about something else similar to that. They're butthurt that you're stronger than them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I haven't encountered that. No. It's, it's good though, because I know you personally, so I n- know you're actually a very genuine person. <laughs> so it's cool that your message on Instagram, on social media is being relayed really well because- it's a it's a reflection of who you are, and yeah, you're very genuine, very sweet, and a very cool person to be around. And I think everyone at Ground Zero can say the same thing about you. Absolutely, for sure. Mm. Thanks, James. Um, do you ever observe other influences and think, what are you doing? People are. This is a lot of people that you know put a lot of stock into what you say. I decline answering that question. It's a simple yes or no. No, that's fine. You don't have to answer that question. Uh, I'm happy to answer it. I do. I see people with, you know, followings of hundreds of thousands of people say stuff or do stuff and think you don't realize like, yeah, I mean, sure, that's your genuine opinion, but you don't realize how much stock people put into what you say Mm. and how much belief they put into what you say. Like there was a, there was an influencer recently taking um, stabs at, at powerlifting and powerlifting females and what powerlifting training does to your body. And it all blew up and it was all just abysmal. Um, but it was just such strong misinformation and it's all well and good to have a wrong opinion. And for someone who's educated or someone who's in in the industry, like we are to look at that and just be like, yeah, we know that's false. Like we know that's simply not true, Mm. but for a young up and coming person that's easily influenced for someone who's struggling with mindset and body image and all this sort of stuff, it can be super powerful for them in a bad way. You know, um, I think it is important or influence to re- influences to recognize the power that they have when they say certain things and that there is inherently an, a responsibility that yeah. comes with that. They're not really, um, like, there's there's no PR No, no company. one's trained to yeah. do that, right? Just monitoring what they put out there, like, I don't know, a celebrity would have. Um, so, yeah, you're right in that. Mm. Sweet. That's pretty much us. Mm. Where, do, where do people find you, Meg? Plug, plug everything. Um, you can find me on Instagram. It's Meg K, M-E-G-K-A-E. You can find me here at Grand Zero. I basically live here. Uh, I have a me- website. It's megkfit.com.au. It's amazing. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for your time. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Meg. Bye. Woo! Thank you so much for listening to the Zero Podcast. If you want more information, head to our Instagram, zero underscore weakness. Hit the link in the bio for all of our services and any information on upcoming workshops and events. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review so we can have a broader reach and answer more people's questions. Thank you once more.